2018 marks the centenary of women's suffrage, and to celebrate pioneering women connected with our waterways, in June I paid a visit to a one-day event at Stoke Bruin in Northamptonshire to find out about the idle women. Stoke Bruin is a beautiful village with a canal museum and regular boat trips through the Blissworth Tunnel, the third longest navigable canal tunnel in the UK. This special day included organised rambles, boat rides and performances by Alarum Theatre Company, finalists in the Canal and River Trust Living Waterways Awards 2017. In this episode, I meet local resident Catherine Doddington, whose aunt was an idle woman, and Heather and Kate from Alarum Theatre, who share their knowledge of the idle women through poetry, song and drama. We'll also find out that the idle women were far from idle. Welcome to the Waterfront Podcast. Brought to you by the Canal and River Trust and presented by the inimitable David Bramwell. Hi, I'm Heather Wasty. I'm a a poet and a songwriter and I've been involved with canals since I was quite young through my family. So I've always been attracted to the canals and when I heard about the idle women, who were the women who worked on the canals during the Second World War as part of the war effort, I wanted to write about them and since... Canal and River Trust had commissioned me, I thought that's what I want to write about. So that's, that's why I'm here. And I'm Kate Safin. I have lived on a boat since 1999. And when I was first on the boat, I read a wonderful book called Ramblin' Rose, The Boat Woman's Story by Sheila Stewart, which is probably the only account we've got of life for working boat women because they didn't read or write, unlike our wartime women, many of whom wrote books. And... There's mention of the wartime trainees, as they were known during the war. I also was very fortunate in that my neighbours on the land were two of the last of the working boat people, Jack and Rose Skinner. And Rose would tell me stories about the trainees as well. So I first wrote Isabel's War, which is my half of our double bill, in 2009. And it was meeting up with Heather and hearing about her piece, Idle Women and Judies, where we simultaneously thought, this would make a good double bill. Can you tell me a little bit about Isabel? Isabel is uh, fictional. She is... Everything that happens happens to somebody, not necessarily the same person or necessarily in that order. I've set her as being the the daughter of uh, an Oxford College professor because the women who took on the job were mostly, if not all, middle class. They all came from often quite comfortable, wealthy backgrounds and came into this world which was completely strange, taking on this extraordinary work... And at that time, most girls of their type would barely know the canals were there. So I I used her and her journey of becoming more independent. She's young, she's married, she's living back at home, but she's feeling very sort of managed by her mother. And here's an opportunity to get out and do something different. So there must have been a clash of culture and uh, class That fascinated me and was very much part of what I wanted to explore in Isabel's War, that I didn't want to simply tell a story of this young woman who goes off and gets all gung-ho and, yes, it's her journey and it's wonderful and she gets more confident. Um, I was also fascinated by this, the way these worlds clashed. Mm. And sometimes it did result in some some rows. You've seen a short piece of mine where Isabel's doing her first lock and... She inadvertently steals it from a boatman and he's got a lot to say about it. I'm not very good at locks yet. Pat was supposed to be helping me. One of the others, she's not very well today. She fell in yesterday. Mistook some green algae for solid land. Went straight through it. 
came up covered in the most disgusting green slime. Now, um, our boats are coming from there and the lock's full, so I need to empty it. What the hell do you think you're doing? Drop that paddle! <sighs> Might have known it. Bleeding trainee. Menish, you lot. Should have left you on the bank where you belong. I'm, I, I'm just getting the lot ready for our boats. They're, they're coming. See that pair of boats? Them's my boats. And this here lock is set for them. And if you think I'm going to hang around for half hour while you went against me, you've got another thing coming. I'm just learning. Everyone has to learn. Even you had to, too bloody long ago to remember. <laughs> now get out of the way and stay out of the way. But it was also fascinating because the Rose I knew who lived on the bank would have been about 19 at the time when she met the trainees. And suddenly there were these young women who seemed so confident to them. They wore, they wore trousers, they smoked, they challenged authority, which the young boat women would never have thought of doing. It was a very reserved world. Mm. So in a way, the trainees, the, the Isabels who came along, they kind of blew a hole in this world of the boatwomen and showed them an, another world. But the, the other um, side of it is that for a lot of the trainees, they came into this world possibly thinking that you know these women they saw were, they didn't read or write, um, perhaps looked a little bit, you know, just sort of, I don't necessarily looked at, but they came to very much respect them mm -hmm. and to admire the, and I did, knowing Rose, she didn't read or write, but the stories she told me showed such skill and knowledge that she she learned through this lifetime of being on the boats. So both sides, both sides had their eyes opened. Roll up, roll up, roll up. Or, or in fact, or alternatively, roll down, roll down, roll down. <laughs> roll in. We don't mind as long as you come this way. Yes, there's lots of women in in my half of the show, and they're all they're all real women. So I I name them, and I've got the material from books that they wrote, or audio recordings they did, or diaries that they wrote. How many women were there in total? Do you think during the War F, wartime? Around about a hundred actually applied. Only about fifty did any appreciable amount of of work because a lot of them had just left some some of them had just left on the first night they right. couldn't cope at all and then there were about 25 that did the full stint so this is the song which currently ends the show um it's about a woman called Molly Trail who in this song she's taking a trial run from Ellesmere Port to Birmingham on two boats Willow and Ash the idea being that she would test out the route and test out the boats and then when she got back, she wrote a report to the Ministry of War Transport, which is very thorough. We took a trial run from Ellesmere Port to Birmingham on Willow and Ash. And here's what we found. The boats need smartening up, the engines need repairing. Here's my report. I've written everything down. Flywheel needs a new key, gearbox needs adjustment, 
Cylinder needs reboring, new nuts required. Reverse gears knocking, gear handles loose. Semi-rotary pump won't work, new nuts required. We took a trial run from Ellesmere Port to Birmingham on Willow and Ash. And here's what we found. The boats need smartening up, the engines need repairing. Here's my report. I've written everything down. That's your little less extract. That's fantastic. And I reckon I'm the only person in the whole world to have written a song that's got the words semi-rotary pump in it. <laughs> Catherine Doddington. I was born in New Zealand. Uh, I came here in the UK in 1977, in fact the Friday of Jubilee week. And my aunt was the original, they call them idle women, woman, but they are actually not idle women, they are trainees, because that's what they were. Idle women came from the badge they had, which was IW for inland waterways, but it doesn't mean idle women because they weren't. <laughs> Do we know where that nickname came from? Yes, we do. It, um, a lady called Susan Wolfett, who was the was an idle woman or a trainee, um, wrote a book called Idle Women. But as she was writing it, her daughter says, what does IW stand for on your badge, Mummy? And Mummy said, Inland Waterways. And she said, oh, you mean idle women. So that's the origin of it. And never has there been a greater misnomer in my view. <laughs> the mischief of children. Well, it's also changing history as well. Because I think it's important to, you know, I think we have a duty to make sure that the history we learn is the history we pass on. In 1941, Daphne thought that she should do some work for the war effort and she was hawking around for her cargoes and she decided that actually women could do this work. Women had been doing this kind of stuff since the late 1800s in crewing boats, but it was about proving to society to England that women could do anything and so she fought for the idea of trainees she didn't become a trainee herself but she trained Kit Gayford and Kit Gayford went on to train the women who operated on the Grand Union. You've got some you've got you've got photos um in in your house yes I have um you're, you're on the on the canal towpath here. How, how long have you lived here, and 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 how much are canals part of your lifeblood? Canals are a complete part of my life, really. Um, when I worked for British Airways, I lived on the edge of the Basingstoke Canal and got very involved with the Basingstoke. Then, after I retired in 2010, somebody rang me up, a friend, a fellow boater, and said, "There's a house for sale in Stoke Bruin." I came and looked at it. Looked at it. Took me. 30 seconds to decide I could do something with it and be somewhere where I'd like to live. I said I wouldn't get involved in anything in Stoke Broome when I moved here in the middle of 2013, so it's five years ago now. Um, I was doing something voluntarily within about 10 days, I think, um, because I take the view that let's get involved in doing things and trying to make it, the canals a better place. So this is from um, something that my aunt, Daphne March, wrote for her college in Oxford, Lady Margaret Hall, 
to say what she'd done during the war. When I started boating in 1941, the snow was deep on the ground and there were no women skippers. When I left the water for the bank this summer, practically the whole system of inland waterways had been covered by amateur boat women trained by two of my early mates. An advertisement for the first of these brought applications in a number and variety that surprised me. They ranged from ballet dancers to money lenders, from sailors to service dodgers. It was two years before I attained the competence and social standing of a professional boatwoman, and my experience was gained at the cost of long hours, some spent in the heavy work of handling cargoes, anxious moments at the tiller, and exposures to all weather. Gentlemen, now that you've seen what it's like inside of the Blizzworth Tunnel, would you like me to tell you a few bits and pieces about it? Okay, well opened in 1805, it took five years to dig out and construct, and it's a mile and three quarters long. It takes roughly 25 minutes to get from one end to the other. Before the boats were fitted with engines, they used to leg the boats through the tunnel which is where they'd lay a plank wood across the front of the boat. Then a gentleman would lay either side and walk on the walls of the tunnel, pulling the boat through. They used to take them 65 minutes. However, it wasn't just a one-off for them. They're professional leggers. And although it's very deceiving, two boats can pass throughout its entire length. No, I do believe I've covered everything. <laughs> You're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your trip. Stoke Bruin Canal Museum is open daily from 10am to 5pm. For more information, go to canalrivertrust.org.uk forward slash the Canal Museum. For boat trips through the Blissworth Tunnel, visit stokebruinboats.co.uk. We'll finish this podcast with Heather Wasty from Alarm Theatre's Idle Women Show and a performance called Sideshow. Moored at the top of Napton, Virginia and I wander through fields, picking roses, scarlet and pink. Starry horse daisies, ragged robins. A windmill with a broken sail etched on the horizon. Elm trees in a frieze against a hill. Two days later, still moored in this glorious place, we walk to the fair at Priors Marston. Two sideshows, two gambling booths and one roundabout. A ten minute ride for sixpence. Hercules is waiting where we left her had chugged, shuddered and stopped. George from Hatton has brought us drinking water in a churn and a worrying diagnosis. Helen has gone home. I'm scrubbing the cabin with disinfectant. The bugs are back. The engine in pieces laid out on the bank. You must have sounded pretty fierce on the phone to the office, Virginia says. They sent us two fitters. I say, I'm learning. While George from Hatton and George from Bullsbridge repair, replace and reassemble the heap of metal, we sit on the bank. After a while, a mule appears and silently gliding in its wake, the friendship, the Skinners, Rose and Joe.
This Waterfront podcast was produced by David Bramwell with music by Oddfellows Casino. It was a Smoke Creatives production for the Canal and River Trust. If you like the Waterfront podcast, please leave a review for us on iTunes. Winding through 2,000 miles of beautiful countryside and vibrant cities, our unique network of canals and rivers offer vital havens for people and nature alike. Because everyone deserves a place to escape, 